Welcome back to another episode of the Style Frame Saturdays podcast, the podcast dedicated to ideation, creative thinking, and concept development as it pertains to an animated production. We'll be breaking down the brief of our guests' favorite frames, and we'll also get a glimpse into the inspiration and workflows behind their frame of choice as well. We've got an exciting episode for you today with Jamie Justin, an art director based out of Brooklyn, New York. So let's jump in. Hi, Jamie. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. How's everything going? Hi, good, good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's it's the holiday season right now. So, you know, I'm enjoying, you know, that and, uh, you know, getting ready for the new year. How about yourself? Same, you know, just starting to wrap up some projects. I'm on my last um, freelance gig starting next week and then have a nice long time off. So I'm really excited to just relax. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Yeah, no, I'm so excited to see what you're working on for the end of the year. Um, and, you know, I know we've chatted in the past. I've been a big fan of your work for some time now. So I'm so excited, so excited that you were able to join us uh, to kick off season two for the podcast today. But, um, you know, if it's okay with you, I'd love to jump into things. Um, for anyone who doesn't know you, would you mind telling our audience a little bit about yourself, perhaps a little bit about your story and how you got into the field of animation yeah. and motion design? Yeah. So um, originally I started going off to college at Michigan State. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. You know, there, I was kind of in the arts in high school, but not there wasn't really an extensive program where I went to school in Buffalo. Um, so I kind of floundered a little. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Found my way to graphic design and realized, okay, I actually have a passion for this. Um, I transferred schools and went to SUNY Purchase. Um, that's where I graduated. And at the time, they didn't have a huge motion graphics program. You were really studying graphic design. And if you kind of, there were maybe two other people in my program who got really heavily into motion graphics. Um, and none of the professors knew how to teach you how to do anything, really. They, you know, the concepts, but it was really limited as far as like the technology goes. So, um, but I really lucked out because that was one of a few people. Um, we had an adjunct professor who um, needed interns at Comedy Central. So I was one of two people who he even asked because not many people were very interested in doing motion graphics and the other person didn't want to do it. So I got to. <laughs> um, and that really kicked things off for me. I really loved animation and just like the satisfaction of nailing uh, the motion of the designs was really satisfying to me. So I really pursued that. Um, after college, I freelanced with Comedy Central for a while, kind of worked my way up. At, for a while, I was not really doing motion graphics there because they didn't have a position for me, but I started off in the digital department, kind of like finding motion graphics pro projects where I could. Um, and then I kind of just worked my way up there. Eventually they were doing a lot of digital originals. They were doing a Snapchat channel for a while. So I was able, you know, kind of a weird thing about a big company is that you can make projects your own if you just have the, you kind of just have to see the opportunity and there's not much oversight sometimes. So they'll, you'll be like, okay, I think we should do this. And because it's such a big machine sometimes you can kind of get away with that um which was nice for me at the time i was finding these moments where i ended up building my own team um we were we ended up working with the um, digital original projects where they would bring in comedians to 
kind of get them used to creating content when they maybe weren't used to that like structured atmosphere. So a lot of times it was lower budget. They needed a lot of graphics to help support um, the shows. And so I ended up being the motion graphic design lead there, um, uh, the design director for motion graphics for the digital department. And that was really great. I was at Comedy Central for seven years um, and then moved over to First Look Media um, doing a lot of in-house content with them, but also marketing. Um, and then I was there for a year and then I was at Block and Tackle for a year and a half, which was a really great experience. And recently I just went freelance. So trying out that life now. Very cool. And, you know, to go back to the Comedy Central uh, part of your career so far, you know, it had to have been an interesting time because I'm assuming it was, you know, early 2000s, right? You know, you were saying comedians are coming in and you guys are getting them used to kind of creating content. Um, I feel like that that's when things really took off in terms of like all this social media stuff. And then really for our industry, you know, it created just kind of all these amazing, different, weird opportunities that you were just touching upon that, you know, like you were kind of creating what you wanted to, you know, kind of were getting this freedom to do and make things what you wanted to make of them. So it's really interesting to hear that, like, you know, in your role, specifically at Com uh, Comedy Central, but then obviously over the course of the other, you know, roles that you've had as well, um, that, you know, you've kind of been, you know, taking the lead with a lot of this stuff. Um, so it's, it's just really cool to hear that you're kind of spearheading some of this stuff too. Yeah. And it was really great too, because a lot of people working on these projects, they don't, they're not design minded in this way that like, I think if I had worked somewhere where, you know, at a studio right away, it, everybody is already on the same page about aesthetics and like, but I was able to bring like a, a quality standard to things that they weren't really used to. They were used to just kind of like things looking bad to look bad. And that is definitely fun. And I do love design like that, but it was fun to also be able to be like, oh, I actually could think about this in a way that you may not have ever thought of. And I was able to work with directors and the people coming up with the ideas to say well what if we shot a lot of people wanted to shoot everything on green screen and it's like well mm. that doesn't really always make sense like you could shoot it on a nice seamless color and we can add graphics around the people and even behind them and you don't need it's so much more work to like key it out and make it look good and like professional right when that's not really when you want a lo-fi look, that's great with green screen. But if you want something that feels a little bit more polished, there's other ways to go about it. And so it was really nice to like add that knowledge um, to the production process and, you know, be on stage while they're shooting and really a part of the creation. That was really exciting. And that's something that I'm hoping to get a little more back to. I think that being a part of studios. Um, it was something I always dreamed of, like Black and Tackle was my dream job, but I realized that oh, cool. you become very removed from the process of creation with the people making these shows. Um, and I'm hoping now to like get a little closer to what I was doing before at Comedy Central, where you know, you're part of that early development phase. It's not that they're coming, to, the show's already made, all those decisions have been made, and now they're just coming to you to either promote it or make a poster. Um, I really want to be sure. more involved because I just, it's so much fun working with the people who are so passionate about these projects and helping them, you know, make it as good as it can be um, using your skills. No, that no, absolutely. Well, I hope I hope that you are getting some of those opportunities because, you know, like you said, you know, at the 
at the places that you've been, Steph, you've been heavily involved in those early concept um, parts of projects and, you know, which I really much enjoy too. I think it's like the most fun part about the projects that we work on as motion designers and animators. But, um, you know, speaking of the early concept stuff um, and touching upon, you know, the block and tackle stuff here too as well, I'd love to chat about the frame that you're sharing with us today. So could you tell us a little bit about the piece that you've selected? Yeah, so I picked the title card that we ended up making for a promo package um, for a show called, it actually ended up being called Children of the Underground, but while we were working on it, it was all called Children Underground. So I still have that frame with that title. Um, it was an FX show, a documentary about a woman, um, Faye Yeager, who in the, um, I think early 90s, um, she was, she had this underground system of saving um, children of in households of abuse. Um, and there's like, watching the documentary, you know, there's different opinions about like whether what she was doing was positive or negative. Um, but we got the brief at Block and Tackle. I was actually on a different project and kind of came in um, like a few days into people already working on it. And, um, you know, we just had the brief, the description of and the details about Faye, obviously someone that it was someone that was easy to like look up and do more research on. But we were also told we couldn't use any visuals of her, we could not use, they had nothing, the show hadn't been done being made, so we didn't have any access to footage or anything from the show, so, which is pretty common where you're working and you don't have access to, to the show itself. Sometimes I struggle with that, though. For me, it's like, oh, I really want to know, like, okay, what is the, the tone of, of the whole show? Um, for this one, it really worked out, though. Um, I, um, for these frames, was going for this idea of like, she was a very meticulous doc uh, at keeping documents of every case with every child, did a lot of interviews, um, so involved in every case. So I kept having this vision of like her taking notes. And um, I read some interviews with children who had been in her system where they were kind of like rushed around at night and finding these different houses um, where that were their safe points. Um, so this imagery of like, you know, watching the street go by, maybe in the back of a car and all of the documents that um, she might have had. Um, this was also the 90s. So it has a very specific uh, tactile look that we were going for. Um, so, yeah, it was it was really a lot of materials and ideas that were easy to draw from. Um, and then we had this really great idea of bringing in photography um, from everybody in the studio. So we're all like kind of around the same age. So it worked out well that we had all of these older photos that were film photos, usually disposable, very 90s feeling. Um, this one specifically actually, I, is a picture of my boyfriend's mother and his uncles. Um, so a little older, oh, no. that one's in the 70s, I think, um, maybe even 60s. And so um, it was really fun to take these pictures and knowing that like it was all these people that I actually worked with or knew um, and they ended up being used throughout all of the promotional pieces. So That's really cool. Yeah, no, oh my gosh. You, you mentioned so many... Um, fun, amazing things that I want to talk about and get into like the nitty gritty and specifics of, but, um, you know, the concept, you know, I, I was looking at your case study about this project, 
um, and, and looking at Buck and Tackle's site too. Um, so, you know, reading about Faye Yeager's story and everything, you know, it's just really interesting, you know, and, effect, and the fact that it's a little controversial at the same time too, um, you know, kind of adds that drama aspect and everything. But I loved, I loved the whole tactile experience about this project. I love what you guys did with it and everything. Um, but before we get into like some of the creative and design decision stuff around it, you know, I'd love to like go to like the very beginning, actually, if that's okay with you, um, you know, and start with your initial conversations with FX, you know, what, what did it sound like? You know, how did you guys kind of like sculpt the creative brief for this project? Yeah. So, um, I think we had a lot of limitations, but, um, they really allowed us to explore. We explored a lot of different visual directions um some of all of them having this slightly dark tone to them because obviously there's a lot of questions around it um you know the topic of abuse in itself is very dark and um so there's these themes around each direction that we explored um but the limitation of not having many um visuals to use while still wanting to keep it photographic in a way was really important. Um, so I think that like, it was really just going kind of all out at first. We had four different designers working on several different directions and just exploring how you can get that tone of, you know, what is this story, um, the the mystery around this woman and, and um, you know, the system that she built that is very controversial. Um, yeah, I don't, we just kind of went all out and explored, but in the end, it, it really, having these visuals of the children it became really important. Um, you know, we had a few directions that were a little more symbolic using, I think like um, butterflies to represent the children. Um, there were a few different ways that we tried to take it, but in the end, um, seeing that, emotional connection of of children really helps to drive home the deeper um you know show how um important what she was doing was um right so yeah that's where we landed um and yeah sorry i'm kind of like tripping up on my words now. <laughs> that's okay no don't worry about it well i mean you know it, it makes sense you know like you want to have a visual representation to whatever like you know the story is about um it's really cool to hear though that you know you guys were playing around with other variations and types of imagery to get that point across like you know like yes was it going to be more symbolic or was it going to be a bit more literal and it sounds like you know you landed on a little more of a literal representation of what this sort of children of the underground and what Faye Yeager had built was all about um but but to that it does sound like FX maybe gave you guys kind of like complete creative freedom to kind of go off and do whatever you wanted to do visually, aesthetically? Yeah, I think, well, something really interesting about Block and Tackle is that they had such a close relationship with people at FX. So I think that right. it, they've worked with them for so long uh, that they really trust the process that um, the team has there. They, on every project that we pitch on for FX, it's very like, you know, we, and I think Block and Tackle has a little bit of a style, even though they can do anything really. 
Um, there's such a talented group of people there. Um, there's a little bit of a style and I'm sure that there's a thought behind like, okay, if we bring an effect or black photographer for this, there's certain aesthetics that we're, we might get. Um, sure. So, but, and I think that the creative directors there have a really good grasp on like what is appropriate for a project, but there's always that element of play at the beginning and trying to not just, it's always about, is this appropriate for the topics, for the, the messaging of the show? Um, and that really drives the design. And so, you know, that can come out in a variety of ways, but it's always going to end mm -hmm. up narrowing down to, okay, this actually feels like the best way to represent this, this show. For sure. No, definitely. Well, um, you know, given that you guys were able to kind of do a bit of like exploration at the beginning, you know, most, most projects do, uh, start out that way, but I'm just curious, you know, uh, what was the timeline like for this project? I think this one was relatively quick, but it actually felt compared to some others, it felt like it was appropriate. Um, we had, <laughs> we had a big sprint at the beginning. I feel like at first there were maybe, like I said, I think four of us working on designs over the okay. course of, I think a week to do that initial pitch phase. Um, mm -hmm. And they ended up choosing this one. It was slightly different before in the initial pitch. Um, Okay. And we got to this after, I think, two rounds. So, um, but it, this one went pretty smoothly. Sometimes I wonder if that just means there's not a huge budget. So it's like, okay, we got to make decisions. And um, <laughs> But so th they chose this direction with obviously some tweaks. I think in the initial version, I had some, we didn't have pictures of Faye, but I had found some, um, a woman who looked kind of like her. So I had these elements. It was a little more Faye driven because with the brief that we were given, it felt like she was so central. Um, but again, they wanted to bring in more of the children because that is just more of like an emotional impact as you're watching these promos. Mm -hmm. um, so we pulled back on elements that alluded to like her as a person and brought the children a little bit more to the forefront. Um, and then, I, so I think with, design it was maybe a week or probably two weeks to like get through from the initial phase to where it landed and then an additional probably two or three weeks to develop the animation language um it was a smaller team like after that initial push primarily just myself and, and an animator were working on it after that um okay it's a little bit of a simple style, so it didn't really need like a whole team of people dedicated. Sure. Um, and obviously there's other projects going on in the studio at the same time. So um, I think even after that had wrapped, I had started on something else and we were kind of going back and forth. I was overseeing the um, animation alongside the creative directors while um, since the design had already been finished up. Um, so a, a pretty nice timeline. I'd say that's not always typical, um, which is, you know, it's part of the industry and is something that I'm trying to like figure out how to make myself feel comfortable with. I think that um, there's been this big push to produce, 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 produce all the time and to do it sure. on faster and tighter timelines, which I think is a little unhealthy and kind of just like feeding into the capitalism mindset that the society has right now. Um, and I think like pushing for more periods of exploration, slowing things down a little bit is something that like we as an industry need to be a little more adamant about. 
Um, so when that happens naturally, it's very nice. And I think is the way it should always be. <laughs> no, it's, it's fun. It's funny you say that because I feel like, you know, previous guests on the show, you know, and everybody's different too, in terms of like how they approach their projects and everything and so on and so forth. And again, how big of the team is, you know, what's being asked of the creative brief and like how many people are actually necessary to like, kind of get it done. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, yeah, like, you know, Justin Harder has been on and he's kind of said, you know, like for him, you know, when there's kind of a little bit of a fire being lit up underneath the project to like really get it done and push through, you know, like that like amps him up to like really like and it pushes his creative and stuff. But then, you know, there are other other guests on the podcast who have come on and kind of said, you know, yeah, like, you know, we had X amount of time, a good chunk of time for the sort of exploration and ideation part of the project. And it felt appropriate because it really felt like we could take our time to kind of really, truly explore like what different approaches might might look and feel like. And, uh, you know, so, you know, that's always an interesting conversation to have with people in our industry is sort of like, you know, what is the appropriate timeline? I'm sure there's no sort of one size fits all. You know, again, every project is unique and different and every team, you know, and their approaches are unique and different. But it's always I always think it's kind of an interesting conversation to hear what what the timelines are behind these types of projects because it, it kind of makes you wonder you know what's pushing the creative like is that element pushing the creative or is it you know like uh were some other pro uh concepts you know like not considered because of the timeline so it's just it's really cool to hear that you know like for this it felt pretty appropriate you know to get the job done and it looks i mean it looks beautiful you know <laughs> I, I i'm a huge fan of the style that you know you and the team at block and tackle have you know or maybe a little recognized for, you know, it's not, it's not your, it's not block and tackle soul um, style. You guys have done so many other great things as well, but you know, like you can immediately kind of tell that like, you know, Oh yeah, th this team put their thumb on it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think timelines, it's, it's, each project is so unique. And for me, I think that's something that I really want to explore more being freelance now is that, I can't always just turn on my creativity. For me, it's just not the way I work. And for the longest time, I was really a little bit ashamed of that. Like I felt less than because I didn't feel like I could constantly turn it on, come out with a good idea, no matter the timeline, no matter the brief. And I'm starting to realize like that's okay. And that it's, yeah. I need to figure out the best way for me to work. And right now it's, getting my creativity back by, you know, maybe I'm not always the lead on a project and maybe I'm kind of doing a little bit more of a production role at times. And then I'm able to turn it on and be that lead on other projects um, and have a balance of that in my life. And I think it's really something that like, we don't talk about enough. I feel like all of like the bigger names and like the people who are really successful in our industry, it's, it feels like if they're just able to create, create, create. And um, that's just something that I don't align with really. Um, I think it's been really great to be able to slow down, take more time off. I've been doing like woodworking classes and just trying to oh, cool. think outside of the motion design industry in order to have creativity when I do need to turn it on. Um, so it's exciting to explore that right now in my career. 
Very cool. Yeah. No, well, I mean, we could have an entire conversation on this subject alone because, you know, you know, we talk about the echo chamber of motion graphics and stuff from time to time here as well. But, you know, we will definitely we will have to have you on for a second, like sort of follow up about just this particular topic alone, because, you know, it's it is it's a conversation that happens. But, you know, yeah, like we definitely need to do a follow up on that for sure. You know, (laughs) it's definitely a, a very interesting topic to talk about. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, to go back to, you know, this project in particular a little bit some more. So now we have like kind of a rough idea that it was probably about like six ish weeks total to kind of get this whole project done. If I'm, if I'm counting. The yeah, weeks that you mentioned yeah, yeah. Around there. I think so. Okay. Um, you know, you mentioned that it was a promo package too. So I'm just curious, you know, what, pe- what pieces did you have to create for the package within this timeline? Was it just this sort of like opener ident so to speak or were there other elements that you had to do as well yeah so with promo packages we usually do um you know a a 10 second identity a a five second and then um a full package of title cards um we have like the um the the vac where it's like the um for mature audiences uh rating um there's lower thirds um we have like the open sting for FX where they now have like, like a big FX logo. It's kind of always changing. Um, so there's a whole series of package elements. And then we also toolkit all of those out. So they have to be editable um, by the FX team. The, the, their team, obviously, they have like more in-house designers that, you know, know After Effects. So we don't have to have completely like polished toolkits for them. They were a little bit less intense and um, as far as like, they're able to like move the layers around and they know what they're doing over there. So, um, but we still build things out and have them like really clean and polished. And there's a whole system of like, you know, someone creates it, we're all checking through and and catching any mistakes um, and collaborating on making sure that those are as polished as they can be. Um, So that's another big element of our timeline um, outside of just creating each animation. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know that I saw that you mentioned toolkitting on the, uh, on your case study as well, you know? Um, so it's really cool to hear that you guys are like heavily involved with really sort of like QCing and quality controlling, um, you know, what is being handed off to obviously then use to, you know, promote it even further beyond, you know, the block and tackle studio and everything. Um, so that's really cool. Yeah. And, you know, I know that you've, you know, so you've briefly touched on, you know, what the creative process looked like kind of developing this style. We've talked about how, you know, that there were some variations that were sort of, um, you know, put out there initially and everything, but um, because now we kind of have like a good, good idea of what the, the brief was like between block and tackle and FX, you know, I was wondering if you could kind of dive in a little bit further into like what the creative process, your creative process looked like on this project. Yeah. So we had a lot of, um, a lot, you know, we've done a lot of these types of like kind of tactile, you know, PC elements in the past at block and tackle. So I had a few um, even like motion examples that our creative director had, had showed me and, um, as far as like what he envisioned maybe the motion language could be. So that was really helpful to see. Um, and then, you know, just doing research on Faye herself, um, trying to find pieces and visuals that fit well with that time period. 
Um, I ended up doing a lot of like handwritten little notes. I thought it was really interesting that she had taken, um, you know, really meticulous notes, but, and there were certain phrases that kept coming up in the research I did about her. Um, she had, in her interview, she had said like, are you safe? Um, kind of had a really intense interview process with each child. So that was something I kind wow. of clung on to and, and had done some like handwritten notes and that ended up being in the package here and there. I wanted it to be a little more like, custom but um mm -hmm. you know we didn't end up taking it that far uh but so yeah it was a lot of um just playing around and then collaging really in the end it was um which ends up feeling almost like a process of painting which is it's really fluid oh, and therapeutic i feel like it's um just like working through cutting up pieces mostly in photoshop but um, and just trying to make compositions that feel very fluid. Um, that really helps then in the animation phase, obviously. It was, I think, not that difficult for our animator, David, to then go in and kind of translate that into this like quick, um, but moments of fluidity uh, where these pieces are kind of floating in this abstract space. Um, yeah, I hope that answered your question. <laughs> no, it, it definitely does. And you touched upon some stuff that like, you know, I was I was hoping that you might, you know, throw out there too, you know, because it sounds like, you know, you guys are, you know, obviously doing the digital portion of it, you're jumping in Adobe, you know, uh, software like Photoshop and After Effects and, and so on and so forth, but that you're actually kind of introducing these sort of practical effects too. Um, and, you know, I've always just assumed that like, you know, that's kind of part of the block and tackle um, workflow and process, but it's actually really cool to hear how you guys are kind of approaching those sort of like more tactile and customized elements as well. Um, but, you know, it's, it's really cool to hear too, that you're doing a ton of research on the subject as well. I mean, you know, as, as the creatives, you kind of have to, right. It's, it's, it's just part of, part of the process, but, um, you know, were you jumping from research kind of right into designing the frames or were you kind of doing the research mood boarding it or boarding things out before going into design? Like what did that part of the project look like for you? Yeah, it's always different. And I do feel, um, for me, it's, this one had already started when I jumped in. So typically when I do work on a project, I am mood boarding a lot more, but because there was such a mood set by the brief, it wasn't entirely necessary to, to do that. It kind of, and because, um, they were a little bit further along in the process. You know, I I grabbed some styles that I thought felt appropriate and kind of did that for myself. I like to go through on Pinterest. I'm a big Pinterest fan. Um, I feel like if you use it right, it is it brings you the best inspiration. Um, <laughs> for sure. So I started my own little like Pinterest gathering. Um, a lot of, you know, I felt like collage was appropriate for this kind of from the get-go mm -hmm. so I had started just like pulling mood board inspiration but in this specific project that wasn't a step that we did with the client um but I think everybody ends up like doing a level of that for themselves in order to just like get into the zone um so there definitely was like that step for myself um follow and then kind of jumping immediately into style frames which we at this point at that point I had been at block and tackle for a year I believe and you know it again it's different for every project but when you know this mm -hmm. like package that you have to create it becomes a little bit you're so familiar with like 
the system of it all. It does it there's mm-hmm. and the animations aren't that extensive, you know. You're not creating like a full-on narrative. Um they're pretty quick. Mm-hmm. They have to kind of get that message across very fast. So having that phase of sketching, your your designs kind of become the sketch. Um obviously those are going to develop over time, but you don't really need that phase of like figuring out the story because they're so quick. Um the design will really influence what that animation will be in the end. Um, So it's a little bit different than some other like larger animation projects where there's like a fuller story to the actual motion of things. Um, That makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's sometimes that can be difficult when I find it harder when there is, um, you know, we were working on um, stuff for Archer where that is a little bit character driven. So you do need a little bit of a story behind the action that's happening. Um, So on a project like that, I would want to maybe like sketch out like the thought behind like, okay, what is this story that's happening here? Um, Right. But, you know, with, with this specific show and this style, it was more about like setting the tone and setting the mood, creating those style frames. And then kind of going in and saying, okay, like, how can this, how can we make this animate and continue to um, show the, this tone and and set this like darker mood for the show? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear that because, you know, earlier in our conversation, you had kind of mentioned, you know, like you didn't have imagery from, you know, Faye herself, you didn't have access to any of that kind of like archival stuff. I think you had even mentioned too in your case study that you really didn't even see like a cut no, of the series yeah. <laughs> going into this project, which I thought was like really interesting too. Um, you know, yes, you guys were given sort of like the brief, you know, from FX and everything. But, you know, I thought that that was just like kind of a really interesting uh, note that you had kind of put out there too. But because of that, because you didn't have access to like, you know, any of this archival imagery or you know, imagery of Faye that you could work with, or even really maybe some elements from the show itself, you know, what were some of the solutions you and the team tossed around initially to get around this? I know you mentioned that ultimately you guys used, you know, photos of you guys as, you know, the team and like, kind of like made them like identity less because you weren't kind of including like full facial sort of, you know, uh, framing for the, the elements you used, but just curious, like what, some of the other solutions were if there were at all before you you landed on that yeah initially something we really hung on to and you know this didn't end up being right for the project but I think I touched on a little before but were elements of Faye herself you know there were these like um big descriptions in the brief of of who she was as a person the how they wanted to frame her in the documentary um there were a lot of things like um she dressed really well like she um was always kind of in these like floral dresses um very like 90s but always had like her makeup done and she was always like ready for the camera which was a criticism that they were potentially going to highlight in the documentary but again we didn't see it so we weren't really sure the direction it was going to take um so at first we we really hung on to that element a lot i think that like the designs that i explored had a lot of that in there there were a few that i helped out with that um, kind of only focused on these like floral patterns and um, a little bit more typography based again because we weren't really sure what the visual tone of the show would be um, which was like a, a nice way to get around like okay we don't have a ton to show how can we still like set that tone through the typography that we're using 
Um, there was a really great one that um, Ben Hill came up with that it was um, also, it was showing more of a collage scene of more like neighborhoods because um, this happened primarily in the suburbs um, using like silhouettes of children. So that was another, it was a little bit more graphic than um, the photographic direction that ended up, we ended up going with. Um, so that was another way of, of getting around, okay, we don't have visuals, but you have these settings that, especially for all of us, we come from like, a lot of us come from like a similar, you know, suburban neighborhood. It kind of was like any day, everyday America where these, um, these things were taking place. Um, so it was easy to pull from, okay, this is the type of setting that this was happening in. So maybe let's show that or let's show more of Faye. So those were other ways that we explored. But in the end, um, again, like the photography and like seeing these children, it really like is, pulls on uh, your humanity a little bit more. <laughs> For sure. No, absolutely. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, it's cool to hear that you guys were exploring some like graphical stuff too. Like, uh, yeah, you know, like not just the imagery. I love hearing kind of like the uh, internal problem solving around, you know, well, we don't have access to this imagery, so how can we represent it? Um, it's really cool yeah. to kind of hear the kind of different avenues you guys were going down for that. That's really awesome. Um, well, because you guys didn't see a cut of the docuseries before working on this either, you know, um, what elements, and you might've touched upon this a little bit with the previous question, but what elements did you find the most helpful to, um, to set the right tone, mood, and style for the promo package. Kind of sounds like, you know, taking the kids' photos of you all or photos of you growing up is, you know, probably the answer. But I'm just curious, you know, like, and even in terms of like the color and, you know, textures that you developed and and uh, is the text that you used as well, you know, just curious. Yeah. Like, well, thinking about the yeah. time period was really important. Like, okay, it's early 90s. Oh, we didn't true. want anything that felt super slick. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, it ended up working out really well. I, I sometimes I do wonder, um, like, in the end, seeing the final documentary, um, they ended up using the logo that we created, which I was shocked. I thought they were good. They had, like, their own that they would come up with. And a cool. lot of the animation styles of the graphics within the documentary ended up feeling very in line with what we had done. So I do wonder if they saw what we did and then that influenced how they ended up with the in post-production um, because it awesome. was so similar. So we really lucked out. And I mean, you know, we're all our creative directors. Everyone is like, they're so talented. So it just is natural that you know you're making these assumptions and hopefully you're right and we ended up like kind of nailing it which was which was really great to see um because I was afraid that in the end the tone of the show was gonna feel totally different than what these like promos that we came up with but yeah in the end just staying true to that time period was really important and you know making things look like they were on film, really very tactile. I think that all was something that we hung on to. Um, we didn't want really slick animation, um, just feeling right. a little bit more um, made in camera versus something that was like slid around and slick and after effects. 
Right, right, right. Well, and and what I love about the piece too, and this frame that you've chosen to select and everything, you know, is that, you know, you've touched upon, you know, like it's the time period, you know, the nineties, we kind of wanted to touch on that a little bit, you know, yeah, nothing like too modern or contemporary that's, and slick, um, but, you know, the desaturation and the kind of fadedness and of stuff kind of brings in, I don't know if nostalgia is the right word, but it kind of like, you know, yeah, it touches a it brings out that sort of like timely aspect of the piece as well. And then the desaturated tones, because what I love about this frame and the piece in general is that, you know, like there's this beautiful mix of cool tones and warm tones. Like it's not exclusively one or the other. You kind of like do flicker between the two uh, in the piece, you know, for anyone who hasn't seen it, go check it out because it, you know, it's, it, it just, the tone and mood of this piece is just so perfectly done and um you know i think that that's what's really great about it too is like you know you are you're hitting on the time period with the way that you're using textures and color and and the imagery it's just all together came it came together beautifully like you know so yeah hearing hearing you talk about it is really cool because i can see it visually as well (laughs) yeah thank you It, it, it was a really great process and just um that collage style it's it's so it it really is perfect for anything that's set in I think you're right with nostalgia is the right word like bringing in that texture and that's kind of a big part of this documentary is like this thing that was happening in the 90s um it was just a different time you don't want things to feel really slick so that was like a huge part of it for sure well and and you you touched on this a little bit too I don't I don't know if you saw my questions before we jumped on the on the call together but (laughs) You, jumped, you touched on the animation, which was something I really wanted to talk with you about too, real quickly. Um, you know, like you said, you know, it's not this sort of even slick moving animation, you know, once you got po- past the design part and you jump into the animation, you had already said, you know, you wanted to make sure that that, that was going to continue to sort of carry the, the mood and tone of the piece further. Um, and it's this, you know, it's like this jittery, eerie style. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, you know, how did, how did you and the block and tackle team know what types of movements would reinforce this tone? Yeah. So, um, they had actually done a pitch for, um, I think the old man, it was called where they had explored like a, a, a version of that sort of style. Um, there was a little bit less depth in that, in that design. Um, so that was something that I really wanted to come through where you're feeling this like layering and feeling as though it's this, um, you know, ominous space kind of, uh, so that was a, something that we added in, but, um, that was the initial inspiration for like how the animation direction could go. Um, and then it's just building on top of that, like, and exploring that even further. Um, it's, I think like, again, just making sure things aren't feeling too slick um, and that the timing is right. You want things to feel jittery without feeling like things are being thrown in your face constantly. Right. Like that can sometimes happen when you're going in a direction that feels a little bit more tactile. Um, so having these moments where things are slowing down and there is a little bit of a drift to it in order to have that feeling of of space and um, as though it, it brings a little bit more it makes it a little bit more ominous um, if it's not right. just like quick and flashy the whole time. Right. No, no. And that's, that's so true. I mean, you know, you couldn't have said it better. I mean, like the, the, the combination of the drifting with the quick sort of like, you know, catch here or catch there, you know, does, you know, bring out the tone and mood of the piece even further. Um, and it's, it's funny that you said, you know, like if it was just doing this the whole time, it would either 
come off like a distraction or we come off incorrect. And I think that's what's so interesting about our industry too, is that like even people who aren't, you know, motion designers or animators or designers by background and doing this work, you know, people who are watching the show on TV or, you know, wherever they're watching it, like, it's kind of funny how you can immediately tell whether you're in this field or not, like, you know, like, oh, that comes off like a mistake, like if it's like too jittery or whatever. So you guys nailed it, even with the animation too, that like this beautiful combination of just like slow drifting and then, oh, maybe just like a quick, you know, like blip here or there, like, it, it adds to it so much. So, you know, kudos to you guys, you know, your creative director. It's, it's really cool. It's really cool to hear sort of the thought process behind that. Yeah. And there is so much of a feeling to it. Kind of like I said, with the yes. collage, similarly with this style, it, there's a, there, it's what feels right. And in the end, mm-hmm. like you can, you can kind of sit back and, and watch it over and over. And then you realize like, Oh, there's too many blips happening here or that right. cut having a little bit of like a match cut really helps and making it not feel right. like there's just too much happening. It's a little, it's, you have to pull back sometimes. Um, so, but it's also really, again, I, I love that sweet spot of just like, okay, what feels right. And, and sitting with something until you figure out like, Oh, there's just a little bit, this is just a little bit off or this is jittering just a little bit too much. We need to slow that down. Um, and it's all about just like getting a feel for, how it, what feels right. No, it's, it's, yeah. You know, that there's that sweet spot of like timing pacing, you know, it's just, it is perfect. It's very on point. Well, we've talked about, you know, um, you know, some of the constraints around this project, you know, you didn't have access to certain imagery. Um, you were working within a short, not a shortish timeline, but you know, like a relatively small timeline, um, for the project. Um, I'm curious, you know, what would you say based on, you know, everything, the creative brief, everything that you were given, everyone on the project, you know, what would you say the biggest challenge and reward was by working on this project and and this frame? Um, I think definitely the biggest challenge would be, you know, not having access to the show. I think that's like, it's tough to get around mentally that fear of like, is what I'm doing going to fit right with this in the end? Um, and I think for me even, um, you know, I found this challenging working as studio. I've mentioned this before where it's like, you don't have direct contact with the director of the documentary and like the person making the show, which is just the way the industry is built at this point. Um, but for me that, coming from a background where I did have that access, it is a little, it was a little bit of a struggle not being able to have like direct conversations with the person who cares most about this. Um, But in the end, I think, like I said, we ended up, you know, just nailing the visuals in a way that I do think influenced the way the packaging for the actual show turned out. Um, So that was really rewarding to see it on TV and be like, oh, they used the logo that I made and I had no idea. We thought that was just a temporary logo. So it was really great to see like, oh, wow, we really nailed it despite not having so much information about what this was going to be. We were able to just come up with something that you know, we felt was appropriate for the time period and for the topic. And we ended up being pretty correct. So that was really satisfying. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I bet that's got to be a great feeling for sure. Well, you know, this might be the same answer, but I'll ask it anyway. You know, what about this frame makes it your favorite frame? 
Um, so I actually really love that it has um, my boyfriend's family in it. <laughs> um, it was just really fun to use all of the the photography from everybody's personal lives. And that was really fun process. Like we kind of put a call out to everybody at the studio and then like people's families, also people's um, significant others, like everybody just like gave all this photography. So it was really fun to like go through all of that and see everybody as a child. Um, and that was just like a fun element of the show. So I was really glad that that, and this, that photo in particular, um, I felt like right away was like the perfect element um, for the, the title scene. It showed a little bit more of the children versus like you kind of just get quick glimpses in some of the other elements, whether that's like the countdown or um, some of the other graphics pack, um, elements of the package. So I, I thought that like the style of clothing and, um, you know, it being three children together, it felt very you know, happy family, but what is really going on behind the scenes. Right. Um, and I was, it was just like exciting that we found such like a perfect photo um, just from uh, the resources that we had. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny how it kind of makes the project like even a little bit more personal for you guys. Yeah, too. yeah. Even though it's like, you know, a, a topic and a story completely removed from you, like there's still like a little personal aspect to it. That's, that's really cool. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and it's super satisfying also not having, you know, sometimes in my overall career, I felt like, oh, I just don't know all of the best programs and all of the best ways to like create imagery. And then sometimes the best answer really is just like, you get a little bit scrappy with it. Like, what can I find and what do I have access to? Um, and so when that more lo-fi approach is really appropriate and it really nails it. It feels really good to know like, okay, I don't always need to be like up on everything on Cinema 4D and like maybe I don't have all the latest access to all the best things, but um, you could still find the, the answer in the ways that you have access to. So Absolutely. And you're, you're, you're speaking to, I think, what is most important about the work that we do as motion designers and animators and this industry is that we're creative problem solvers. So, you know, whether we know all the, you know, new flashiest tools and plugins or not, you know, like it's really coming down to like your mind, your creative thinking and how you're problem solving for yeah. either your own personal projects or your clients' projects, you know, and how you're helping to tell that story. So you couldn't have said it any better, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been wonderful. This has been so much fun talking about this project. I'm so happy that you chose this frame and this project to talk about um, and for sharing it with us in the audience. Um, if people want to connect with you and learn more about what you're working on, what's the best way for them to do so? Oh, yeah. So, you know, I have my website. I'm not super active on social media. So I think just like throwing me an email is the best way. Um, I, you know, I, I absolutely love connecting with people. Um, I'm in also like the Panimation Slack. I think that that's where we met. Yes, um, yes. So any of those less less common ways are, are, are the best <laughs> way to get a hold of me. Trying to get off social media as much as possible. <laughs> Very cool. Awesome. Well, we'll be sharing your information, your website, uh, and links to some of the resources we mentioned here for our audience to check out. But that's it. that wraps it up for today, everyone. 
feel free to email us at styleframesetpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, if you like what you see and hear here, don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and review the show on your favorite podcasting platforms as well. And lastly, come connect with us on social. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you again, Jamie, for joining us today. And we'll see you all in the next one. Thank you.